You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Happy Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 26th, episode 3233, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. Ah, Wednesday, the day we cover Glenn's favorite topic, <laughs> horse health. And Jamie makes you feel better about yourself with the latest weird news from around the world. Happy Wednesday. Well, welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. We have a fun show planned for you today. Auditor Celeste reports live from the 97th annual Chincoteague Island Pony Swim. I think we have been getting uh, listeners live for the last 10 years uh, on the day. So cool. And like different people. I mean, this is something like this is like a a bucket list event for horse people. Most of them anyway. And every year I ask, one of our listeners is attending. So she said that they got out of the boat about 15 minutes ago and they're watching them go down the street now. So she'll have a report for us in a few minutes from there. Also, Michael from Kemen Equine, I asked him to come on because it's hot. We are having the hottest summer we've had since we moved to Florida. It's just hot. It's been 100 degrees, and we don't usually hit that with 1,000% humidity. And and everybody across the country I know is getting hit by it. So I asked Michael from Kemen Equine to come on and explain heat stress and do that whole calculation thing with us again and uh, what signs to look for when your horse is in danger and all of that stuff. So we're going to cover that on today's show. Plus, do you? oh, we didn't even talk about it. Do you have weird news? Oh, my God. Two weeks worth. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, we have weird news. Uh, and in the post show, we're apparently... You know what? Actually, today, Glenn, because I had so many weird news stories, we're doing a very special All Florida edition. <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> Which means it's going to be exceptionally good weird news And today. one is very <laughs> close to where you are. Yeah, <laughs> and in the post show, we're going to talk about diseases, uh, TV shows, and whatever else we can think of. That's coming up in the post show for the auditors. Yes, I have a sick child with something new. Yeah, I'd never heard of it before, so I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, so, speaking of horse health, uh, the horse.com, one of our sister companies here at Equine Network, reported that there is the Swedish University of Agricultural Sciences has discovered a new biomarker in saliva that can reveal when a horse might be predisposed to developing osteoarthritis arthritis and other career-ending bone defects. And they can tell that when the horse is young enough to still have time to do something about it. Uh, so it, it says uh, that means a simple saliva test can denote horses whose bones aren't coping well with training and might risk breakdowns and catastrophic 
catastrophic fractures. In addition to identifying training conditions such as footing that are harder on the bones, part of the Swedish University uh, study showed, and they've done extensive study. This is a long article. Uh, but, you know, osteoarthritis is a leading cause of early retirement and athletic horses and professional horses. So they said, recognizing it in its earliest stages, you could train your change your training methods to accommodate what you know about your horse's bone density and, and predisposition to this. So it, they're saying that this could be a major breakthrough. Usually you have to do a lot of expensive tests to get to this point. Whereas this is just a saliva test. Uh, so there's, the article goes in a lot of detail. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But uh, it is really amazing what they're doing with research now uh, for testing and making it easier to find career-ending things that could, you know, end your horse's career. It's really cool. If I, You know what? I, I'd be great. I'd just be like, Ace, I know we're working hard and I know you're a little lazy. Spit in a cup. Just <laughs> spit right. in the cup right. and then we'll figure it out. And then all you out. can go back to Ace and go, see, you don't have any of those markers. You're just lazy. Just lazy. <laughs> the laziest right. four-year-old thoroughbred ever. <laughs> you could have just explained Shocked it to you him. never raced. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> well, he'll be a perfect husband horse someday. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do some Daily Winnies. So we have a couple of auditor birthdays today, Delia Allen, Philip Roars, and Ellen Atridge. Happy birthday to all of you. Plus, we have a new auditor, Jamie. Amy Walrath is our newest auditor. Thank you so much, Amy. I saw she just joined to the auditor Facebook group, so we appreciate your support. If you, too, want to become an auditor, go to horsesinthemorning.com. Click on the auditor banner on the upper right side of the page for as little as $3, a donation of $3 a month. You, too, can join the auditor group. So I now officially own a paint horse. <laughs> I own a Western horse. Oh, so you did it, huh? I did it. Yeah. Um, he's proven to be really cool. And like, so, so I got this horse because little angel Duke, who's 31 years old, helps me start babies and baby race horses. And I needed to give him a bit of a break. So I now, um, I found this paint horse. And the owner found me and I'm able to provide him a home and he's five years old and he's just as wide as he is tall. But like, he's not just super fat. He's also like just really one of those really wide horses that his chest is like two and a half feet across. Right. He's just <laughs> huge. And I have that wonderful Wintech wide light saddle that I got for my fat Andalusian. <laughs> you noticing a theme here? Yes, that I lazy. Am, it tends to you be my fat. me for years about my fat pony. Well, my fat Andalusian wears a muzzle, and now fat Billy uh, wears a muzzle as well. So they're both muzzled, and the Green Guard muzzles are out in the fields. It's going great. They put them on fine, no problem. Did they take them off? Um, no, okay. so far. Well, I mean, every once in a while, Ace will come up and you can tell he's finagled one of the straps loose and all that. So, yeah. But they're pretty great muzzles. So I love them. But that Wintech wide light, it, it, it fits a fat round Andalusian perfect. And I put it on Fat Billy 
Oh my God. It was like a fat belly has no withers. <laughs> they're they're non-existent. So I put the saddle on him and I'm like, this should work great. I go to step up into the stirrup and like the whole saddle was like, shoop, like on around. I was like, oh, that's not, that's not going to work. I mean, you would literally have to have a, a saddle that fits on a tabletop. That is pretty much what this horse looks like. And I thought, I'll ride him bareback. He'll just be my bareback horse. Oh my God. It's, aren't these guys supposed to be smooth? He's so bouncy. I was like, I can't ride this. It's like doing a split and being bounced up and down. I can't do it. I can't do it. So Our percherons I, were the same way. Oh the my big gosh. wide back. It felt like you, it felt like, uh, well, when you got off after riding for an hour, you knew it. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. Well, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even trot him because he's five he's still fairly green and so his trot is kind of like fast 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 slow so so fast 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 slow so so and he's just a little unbalanced and stuff so i was like all right i contacted his old owner and i said what the heck did you use to ride this horse and she has a uh, when i test rode him when i met him it was a really nice big western saddle so i said okay do you want to sell it? And she's like, actually, yeah, I would love to sell it. I'm like, thank God I need something for this horse. Well, I now officially own a Western horse and a Western saddle. And my daily Winnie to bring it all together is going out to every single woman who launches one of these heavy ass things <laughs> up on the back of a horse. Good God. Okay. Farm boy did show me how to like put it on my hip and like fling it up and all that. I, I don't know. Horses five deal with two this. though. He's six, three. Yeah. He's six, four. Yeah. And, and he, <laughs> yeah. launched, and, but, but I will tell you, this is not one of those. So, so farm boy saddle, I can't even lift up. Like, it's sitting on the the saddle rack. I, I can't even lift it up. So this thing, at least I can, I grab like behind the horn and like drag it places and I can do that. I can't even do that with farm you boy realize saddle. that all the Western riders that have been riding west of their entire life are laughing at you right now. Yes. And you know what? <laughs> Props to y'all. <laughs> I'm giving it to all of you. And I posted something about it and I am not alone. All of these Western riders who are listening to me right now and laughing at me are also agreeing with me. Okay. <laughs> Especially if, if you're of a certain age. Well, why can't we get like carbon fiber trees or something? Why do they have to be made out of cinder block? I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. And then you have to fling it up on the horse. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As I like whoosh him in the side, you know, hit him in the chest with it. It's ridiculous. And it's very so, hard like you do in your English saddles to tuck the stirrups off and do all that stuff. You can't do that. So, uh -uh. <laughs> no. No. I think, God, the reins have clips on the on the bit. I'm like, yeah. I, I have these great reins that one of our listeners, Lindsay, made me and I use those for everything and they just clip on and they unclip them. Uh, but yeah, it's ridiculous. I, mm, y'all are amazing. I have new respect, but thank God Billy's short. Cause if he was <laughs> a thoroughbred, I'd be in big trouble, but yeah. So I finally was able to ride him comfortably yesterday without injuring my pelvic area <laughs> <laughs> or my hips because he's so wide, but it is a very wide area 
uh, saddle as well. And I did appreciate all the advice. People are like, you're going to need a breast color. You're going to need a back cinch. Yes, I have those things, but I, he's never had those on. Um, and so the, the back cinch, I'm assuming you don't just strap that puppy on and let him buck, you know, like we need to figure out, a, I need to slowly introduce him to that. He's never had a breast collar on. So we're doing, I have all the pieces y'all calm down. It'll be okay. I'm doing my thing. <laughs> but oh my God, you think English horses take forever to get to get, get tacked up. Good Lord, you got to put the dang 900 pound saddle on. Then you got to do the back cinch. Then you got to do the front part. And then you got to like wind up and, and most tie in like a wings or not. Right? Oh, geez, so, Elise. Yeah. Most of them have breast collars on of some kind. So yeah. yeah. No, there's all sorts of things. And then you got to attach it. And there's so many. I need Farm Boy to come back. Seriously, he <laughs> needs need to lessons. teach me. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, well, congratulations on your new toy, both of them. Um, <laughs> it sounds like there's going to be a learn. Sounds like he's going to be perfect for being a pony horse, though, which is exactly what you want. It's so. just what I needed, and yeah. and and I'm, uh, you know, I'm like I was telling the lady I got him from. I'm like, listen, I have done this a few times already and failed, and so it was cool to get a trial run and get to meet him and get to see him, and uh, yeah, so. You know, we're 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 gonna take it day to day, and 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 so far, so my f- fat Andalusian is the boss of the pasture, and I was like, oh, we're, but he ponies really well, he leads really well, so I was like, oh, fat Billy, we'll just have you pony fat miles and get everybody exercise, and fat Billy was like, no, 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 don't get that horse near me. <laughs> so he he did fail in that one, so he ended up ponying everybody Duke and everyone. <laughs> Bless his heart. He yeah. took Zeus's place for mm, sure. <laughs> they usually bring it on themselves, don't they? <laughs> yes, he definitely does. All right. Uh, we're going to get to Auditor Celeste here in a second, coming us to us from the Chincoteague Pony Swim. Uh, first, I have to mention that right now, going on over at State Line Tack, they have Defender fly masks on sale for 50% off. So if your fly mask has been destroyed 18 times already this summer, head on over right now to statelinetack.com. Check out the Defender fly masks. They have some at twelve ninety nine, uh, fourteen ninety nine. They have fly sheets on sale, and then they have a few different uh, stable blankets and things on sale as well. All Defender uh, brand. So check those out today at StatelineTech.com. All right, let's get a hold of our auditor, Celeste. This live report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. All right, you just want to call her live here? We'll give her a call. So I don't, like, uh, You're on the air. Yeah, that's right. We'll do that to her. We'll do that to Celeste. She's probably expecting it. We'll go back to her old days of doing a live show. You'll hear the ringing and everything. So I do think it's awesome when people we interview them and they're like, okay, when is it going to be out? Uh, like an hour. Yes. Yeah. What? Because most podcasts are like weeks, you know? Yes, that's right. Nope. Coming out today. All right, Celeste. Answer the phone. There she is. Hello. Hi, Celeste. Hey, what's up? <laughs> it's a little noisy where you are. Yeah, we're standing right on the road. The cops just came through to tell everybody to stand back because the ponies are about to come down the street. Oh, that's so great. Hey, by the way, you are, you are on the air, so no swearing. I know you. Um. Oh, okay, I'll behave. <laughs> so you are at the Chincoteague Island Pony Swim. What? Has this been a bucket list item for you? 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm 34 years old. I've lived in Virginia my whole life and I've never gotten to go. So this is magical for me. Oh, that's so cool. What, what made you decide this is the year? I, I actually didn't. Normally I have a festival, a music festival with my family that like falls on the same time and they canceled it this year. So I was like, this is it. This is the year I'm going. I have to go see the pony. That's so cool. So, so the, ho- the ponies are on the island. They swim them across and then they march them down the road. And what used to happen was there was an auction. Is there an auction back live this year? Yes, and it will be tomorrow. I think it begins at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Okay, so Celeste, how many ponies are you getting? <laughs> I brought a sedan, so none. <laughs> <laughs> so Celeste, Did has the shoot? swim happened? Has the, Have they come across? Yes. Yep, yes, and we were out again on kayaks. Um, we were right behind the, the flags in the water with them and um, got to watch them cross there and then... Uh, they rest them for like 30 to 45 minutes once they re like after this, they swim over and, um, and they are just about to start parading them down the road now. So they've had their rest and then they're about to come down the street. How many are there about? Um, Shona, how many horses do you think they, we saw swimming this morning? About 80. You think eight? Yeah. I'd say 80 to hundred is a solid guess. Oh my gosh. Are there mares and foals or is it cowboys. like, what? A lot of saltwater cowboys as well. So probably 150 horses overall. Oh, wow. Saltwater cowboys, huh? Are they hot? Uh, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask the important question. So 80, 80 to 100 ponies coming down the aisle, uh, coming down the street. Are there mares and foals? Are there babies? Or do they leave those guys across? Do some stay across? Do some come back? How's that work? Um, so as far as I understand it, the real, real little foals, um, they bring the mares and really young foals over um, by boat, and they're already, like, corralled. Um, but the the ones that we saw this morning, there definitely are some foals in there. They're probably, like, they'll probably be weaned in the, like, fall, so maybe in a couple more months. So I'd say they're probably, like, maybe three to four-month-old foals did swim over. Isn't it amazing how well they can swim? And they haven't had swim lessons at the YMCA. Yeah, it is pretty wild. I mean, it was lucky this year. Um, last year when Shona came, she said that they swim at, at slack tide during high tide. And this year it was slack tide during low tide. And definitely, like, they didn't have to work as hard because they didn't have to swim as much. Like, a lot of it was, you know, the li- the real little guys definitely had to swim some. But, um, but the bigger ones were only had, like, kind of moments where they were swimming across. Was it as magical as you imagined? Oh. It's pretty darn cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it packed? Is there thousands and thousands there? I, yeah, I mean, we so we were out on the water, so we didn't have to necessarily like, contend with the crowds, but we could see across. We could see across the water that um, they do have like a big park where they had a lot of temporary fence out, and um, and like big crowds were getting shuttled in and out with buses over there. But then there's a lot of people that are out on kayaks and paddleboards and motorboats and jet skis, too. So it's it's a little bit better because it's a little more spread out um, instead of like all, you know, being cramped into one spot trying to see from from the land. And it's I mean, the rest of the day you're going to be there and I know you're going to the auction tomorrow. So is it like a party and a fair? There's stuff going on all day and food and all that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It seems like they've had people biking up and down the parade route selling raffle tickets for the ponies. And um, there's a 
fireman's like the fireman's fair um since this is all a fundraiser for the fire department it's um back in town like on main street which is where they're going to parade the ponies down to the i think the crowds and the auction are at the same um fairgrounds so that's also happening later which we'll go check out Get some get some funnel cakes or something. There you go. Well, that's so. I'm so glad you got to go. So you would recommend for all those that have had it on the bucket list, definitely do it. Absolutely. And we're staying at a campground that's right on the beach, and we literally just like put our kayaks in their boat dock and just kayak straight out to where they swim them. So it was not only convenient and affordable, but um, but has just been a great time. That is so great. I'm so excited you got to do that. And thank you so much for giving us a live report. As Are they coming down the road quite yet? I'd love to hear their hoofbeats, but if they're not, then... Not quite, unfortunately. They are on their way, but I don't think y'all want to hold on the phone that long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, please uh, tell Shana we said hi, and you guys are awesome, and thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Always good to hear from you. All right, bye, Celeste. Bye, bye guys. <laughs> There goes Celeste. Oh, my gosh. She sent me pictures of the cowboys and the uh, ponies in the water. So I will post one of those pictures as I'm showing a picture for today. So she just sent them over. I would also like you to send me all of those. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) These cowboys are are, – you can't really see the cowboys. All you see is hat and horse. That's what you see. That's (laughs) That's all you need, Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) You fill in the rest. (laughs) I love her answer. Well, some of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, I wonder how you become a saltwater cowboy. You know, is that is there? I I, I don't think test? I knew that term. So, <laughs> but I haven't read the books in a long time. Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds has one, two, three, four different formulas that we're going to chat about very briefly today. First one on the list balances the needs of horses who need calories, but they also need a little bit of focus. What's that one called? It's called mass, no staff. They also have a formula that's going to balance the needs of a horse that needs a lot of energy because he is a high-performance competitor. What's that one? That one is called Freestyle Performance or Tramex. Because, yes, trail horses can be high-performance animals. And for senior horses or horses who have dental issues... That one's called Senior. Tough to remember. And for those who want a top-quality, non-GMO feed, which is what all of Daily Dose Equine's feeds are, but they also have a really serious budget that they need, they need to stick to, what do, they ha- what do you have for them? We call that product Sweet and Safe. I wanted to mention that coming up next year, starting today next year, July the 26th, do you know what's happening? Um, July 26, it's going to be 147 degrees. Probably, but not in Paris. <laughs> uh, so next year, believe it or not, it's the 2024 Olympics next year. Summer Olympics start in Paris on July 26 and go through August the 11th. There are 41 competition sites spread all over France. And if you remember, right, France, you know, held the Olympics not too long ago. Do you remember watching the opening ceremony in France? The really weird bubble people and all of that. Do you remember that opening? ceremony? I, I don't. I don't think I ever really watch opening ceremonies. Well, honestly. this year, you're probably going to want to. I'll tell you about that in a second, because they're doing it differently. Because I think they got so much crap over the last one. <laughs> um, but anyway, they're doing... The horse competitions are being held at the uh, at the little uh, Palace of Versailles. So, Oh, boy. Yeah, so they're holding that there, and uh, that was King Louis the... 
I don't know which King Louis it was, but it was his house, and it's supposed to be the most extravagant palace in all of Europe. And uh, all three of the competitions will be held there. Dressage, eventing, and jumping will be held there. Um, the first Olympics were held with horses in 1912, and in 1912, the Swedish riders claimed jumping, eventing, and dressage. Period. They just took it all. Um, that's changed a little since then. Now the Germans have uh, are, are really vying for that title. So this is going to be a century. It'll be exactly a century since equestrian sports started at the Olympics. Uh, so that's going to be. There's so much exciting things going on, and of course, France and you know, Palace of Versailles is really a good one to watch it at. I'm uh, googling that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I knew what it looked like, kind of, but I was like, you know, let me just get, oh, dear God. Yeah, it's it's quite a backdrop. Um, So uh, this is the way it's going to work. Dressage, remember, they changed the rules, and now teams are three competitors, not four. They used to have the drop score, but they've changed that now in the Olympics. So in dressage, there'll be 60 competitors with 15 teams and 15 individuals. Eventing, there'll be 65 athletes, 16 teams, and 17 individuals. And then there's always more. Jumping is always the most. There's 75 athletes, 20 teams, and 15 individuals. The U.S. has qualified teams for dressage and eventing at this point. I am sure we'll qualify for jumping uh, over the next uh, couple of months. Overall, get this, there's going to be 10,500 athletes in 32 sports. That's a Dang. lot. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. <clears throat> They've been doing the tickets kind of as a lottery kind of thing. It's been a different way they did it this year. I don't know the exact rules, but seven of the 10 million tickets that are available have already been sold. And apparently the horse ones are, are immediately, as soon as they come up, they're sold. So, you know, getting a horse ticket at this point would be almost impossible. Um, And this time, the opening ceremony for the first time in Olympic history will not be held in a stadium like they usually are. It's going to be held on the main artery of the city, the River Seine, along with the athletes are going to be in boats. Uh, allocated to each delegation will travel along the six kilometer route from east to west ending where across the river will be the Eiffel Tower so they're going to end with a view of the Eiffel Tower across the river well that's a good way to keep the crowds back yeah And to get more crowds to see it, right? Because you got a six kilometer route that yeah. they can they can be on to see it. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know how that's going to go, and I don't know how they're going to have that many boats for ten thousand five hundred athletes. Yeah, well, they also don't have to spend all that money on a stadium, but they're going to be spending money on boats, a lot of boats. <laughs> I love that Jen just pops in every now I know. and then, like, not realizing we can't really hear her. <laughs> She's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the update on the Olympics. We'll be talking a lot more about that, of course, over the next year, but it starts a year from today. So I asked uh, our friends over at Chem and Equine to do a a segment. Michael's somebody I've talked to in the past. It's been years, though. And super nice guy. I want to meet him sometime. And he's super knowledgeable about anything horse. He runs a ranch down there in Texas, but also works for Kemen. And we we talked a lot about all the facets of equine heat stress and whether your horse is having those symptoms or not. And, And he gives you the... The things to look for so that you can recognize it when your horse is. 
Well, I'm back on with Michael, who's sales manager for North America. I think he's actually gotten a promotion since we had him on last. And he's from Kevin Equine. This time I had him on to speak about the warm, very hot weather we've all been having. I know we're setting record highs in much of the country. The Southwest is boiling. Uh, here in Florida, we're dying. In the South, we're dying. Texas, where you live, is just a nightmare right now. It's been hot. It sure has. You can uh, you can say that twice. Yeah, <laughs> you guys have you guys have been baking over there in Texas. So I think it's good at this point to review heat and how it affects horses and heat stress and all of that stuff. And let's start with the formula again. I know we've gone over this before, and I know people have seen it before, but it it we forget what the formula is. So let's review that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I always like educating horse owners about this. Um, at the same time, whenever I put it into context, it's a bit depressing because that makes me look at the thermometer and realize that, uh, you know, you really can't go outside for much time before you're just really depressed and wondering why you're around horses. Um, so for this formulation, it's very, very easy. You take the temperature in Fahrenheit. So in this case, again, this is a bit depressing. I look at today's temperature in North Texas, and we're at 104. Okay, we're so at 93. So <laughs> well, very, you, you, you're beating beat. us. <laughs> <laughs> you got me beat going the right way. <laughs> so we'll take 104. That's our, that's our uh, temperature in Fahrenheit. And then we add that relative humidity. So in this case, again, out of pure depression, you look at the relative humidity, and we're at about 40% right now. Okay. Had a little bit of a rain shower uh, this weekend, so it's a bit humid. So we add that 40, uh, 40% humidity. So that puts us at a sum of 144. Okay, well, so I got your adding, beat there. Uh, we're at 93 degrees and 78% humidity, so we're at 171. Wonderful. So that just seems extremely <laughs> pleasant, you know, if you're just wanting to, to lay around in the shade. And, yeah, exactly. And you're being the air conditioning. Sweat <laughs> the bounds away. So we take that sum and then we look at a scale. So number one, if you're less than 130 total points, you're considered a low risk. The horse's cooling system should function normally. A typical horse should be able to cool themselves off just fine. Now, obese and heavily muscled horses, they, they could still have an issue. But if we go above that, so if we start to look at 131 points to 150 points, you're in that medium risk category. Cooling efficiency is significantly decreased. Horses may sweat up a little more easily. Overheating is certainly a possibility with prolonged activity. So that's when we really want to start keeping an eye on these horses. Move up to the next level, and that's 151 to 180. So this would fall right in where you're at. This is considered high risk. Significant decrease in cooling efficiency. Humidity contributes over 50% of that total score. And the ability to release heat through sweating is significantly reduced. Remember, in that just super, super humid, muggy environment, horses don't have the uh, ability to have that evaporative cooling effect because there's so much moisture already in the air. So you want to start watching for signs of heat stress and ensure that a cool down after exercise is, is certainly instituted. And we want to make sure those horses aren't exhibiting too many symptoms of that high risk. The next level is greater than 180 total score, and this is considered the danger zone. The horse is no longer able to regula regulate body temperature. 
the horse's cooling system is completely ineffective and risk of heat stroke or heat stress is significantly high. So a good example that we like to use just for the general audience, if we look at the whole country, 75 degrees Fahrenheit plus 60 degrees or 60% relative humidity would be 135. And that puts you right in that medium risk environment. So, you know, and I assume this also, what this doesn't take into account, I mean, it is a good guide, and we kind of use it here in Florida, too. Although, to be honest, you don't feel like being outside. So, I mean, you're not, you're not overworking your horse when you're not outside. Um, are there certain groups of horses that are higher risk? You mentioned obese and heavily muscled horses as one. Yeah, certainly. So, as you mentioned, obese, heavily muscled horses, they just, they lack the ability to easily cool themselves off. Um, they're horses that are not acclimated to those higher temperatures. So think of it this way, you know, for your, for your area, if you're down there in Florida, horses that live down there, this is a seasonal norm for them for the most part. Now, obviously, if anybody's been watching the weather or reading the news, we're in this odd heat bubble and obviously we're a little bit higher than normal. Um, but for the most part, horses that are acclimated to a certain region have a much better, um, physiological ability to regulate that temperature. Horses that might be coming from the Northeast down to your market, they would be significantly challenged. They're used to much cooler temperatures, maybe lower relative humidity. So when you take them from an area that they're acclimated to and insert them into an area that they're not used to, that's very hot and very humid, you can have a heat stress event. They just cannot manage that heat very well. No different than us. If I go spend three months up in Jackson Hole and then I come back down to College Station, Texas, I am going to be absolutely miserable because I have lost the ability to manage that that big swing in temperature. Um, also, horses that don't have any shade or limited airflow. So think stall or trailer for limited airflow or out in a big open paddock. Um, for lack of shade. So those horses, they have, they don't have the, the environmental precursors to help kind of cool back off. So, so if they're out there and, you know, we see them, what do we look for to see if our horses got heat stress or, you know, is getting way overheated? Well, that's a very good one. And these are pretty easy tools to just kind of keep in the back of your mind to be looking for. So one is their breathing rate. That's a, a really easy easy one to see. Are their nostrils flared? Are they having a hard time breathing? Um, and are their breaths per minute greater than 60? That'd be something I'd certainly keep an eye on. Um, reduced feed uh, or water intake. When they start getting really down, they just, they don't feel like eating and they, you know, you'd think that oh, if they're really hot, they'd be drinking a lot of water. If they're feeling really poor, they might not feel like doing much of anything. So a rectal temperature of greater than 103 degrees Fahrenheit is a good indicator, along with an increased heart rate. Profuse sweating. So if you see your horse all of a sudden, just a, a whole bunch of sweat all over it, they might be dealing with an issue trying to cool themselves off. Again, horses will sweat just like people. That evaporative cooling effect kicks in and it helps reduce body temperature. Um, droopy ears. If they're restless, lethargic, if they just seem a little depressed or off, um, dehydration. So check for tenting of the skin. I think we've talked about that last time. You can pinch that skin on their neck, pull it out and see if it's tenting. Um, that could be a precursor for dehydration or a good indicator of dehydration. 
um, muscle cramps. So if they seem like they're tying up on you, and then of course uh, the worst one being colic, because that's just uh, that can you know be a, be a really bad situation for them and cause a host of other health issues. So what happens if I'm I'm out at the barn and I see my horse has several of these signs and I pinch the skin and you know I see that they they you know my pony's got breathing heavy and just looks miserable right uh, what do I do You know one thing that I recommend first and foremost is get that horse somewhere where it can be comfortable you can take a big sigh of relief so find some shade get some airflow blowing over that horse especially if you're in that really humid area do your best to get some airflow going over that animal uh, also, cold water. Start drenching that horse down. You know, there's always been this debate. Well, you know, if, if I hit my horse with cold water, is it going to go into shock? It's really not something. It's always been anecdotal that that might have an effect. But start cooling that horse off. You know, spray him down with nice cold water and keep spraying him down until when you put your hand on the outside of that horse, it feels cool to the touch or cooler to the touch. And then leave that water. Let that water sit on that horse so you get some of that evaporative cooling effect with that that air blowing over the animal. It'll certainly start to pull some of that heat away, and that horse will start to get comfortable again. Once he starts to feel a bit more comfortable, then make sure that he has access to plenty of cool, clean, fresh water. Um, that's critical. A lot of folks will say, well, my horse has a pond or my horse has a big stock tank out there. Um, he has plenty of access to water. Well, we need to make sure that it is cool, it's clean, it's going to um, encourage that horse to consume as much water as he can possibly handle just to get that core temperature back down. Basically, cool water is the answer. Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right on that. Cool water and, and plenty of airflow. So what are some other stressors that go along with heat stress? Well, you know, it's when we talk about these heat stress events, we see them compounded when we start to look at these other stressors. So trailering a horse, um, you know, the farrier comes out, the horse is already hot, irritable, uncomfortable, and then suddenly we're doing something with him he just doesn't want to be dealing with. That can certainly add to a heat stress event. Uh, but then some of the other things is, you know, just the you know, the, the normal stuff that he's experiencing every day. So he's out there commingled with other horses. You know, he maybe he's not feeling good. He's got allergies. All of these things conducive to owning a horse are all going to contribute to how much stress he's dealing with. And we're going to just can be compounding that with heat stress. So obviously we can't control the weather and it's going to do what it's doing. But what can we do on the management side? How can we manage our horses better? Obviously, the things we talked about as far as environment, but is there anything else we can do to help manage uh, them so that they deal with the weather better? Absolutely. And it's funny, you mentioned controlling the weather. A good friend of mine had, had read a book and was telling me about the difference between being a thermometer and a thermostat. I would love to be a thermostat in this situation where we could just turn it down and, and manage some of the stresses, but we can do that to a degree with better management practices. One, know your horse. Nobody knows your horse better than you do. So start monitoring those conditions, the temperature, the humidity, what's the best time of day for me to go out and exercise my horse. You know, and that'll give us an idea of when we can really get out there, we can continue to train these horses, but we can mitigate some of the effects that temperature and humidity might have. So whether it's early in the morning or late in the evening, start there. Um, give your horse some time to acclimate. So if you're coming from up north, coming down south, 
you know, just give that horse a, a few days just to get adjusted uh, and do your part to make sure he stays nice and cool and gives him some time to ease into what's going on around him in that environment. Um, thirdly, ease into training. So don't just go out there, saddle up your horse, start warming him up at a pretty brisk pace right away. You might just start gradually warming him up and then do your periodic check-ins. How's his breathing? How's his heart rate? What's his core temperature look like? Um, because we can always pull that horse out of exercise, cool him back off, and then um, and resume training after he cools back down. Another thing that we can do is a nutritional approach. One thing that Kemen has done is we've developed Chemtrace chromium. And, you know, chromium is really unique because it's a trace mineral, but it's been proven to improve insulin function in cattle, swine, um, poultry, horses. And what that's really going to do is just help utilize glucose more efficiently and keep that horse from getting stressed out during exercise. Additionally, adding Chemtrace chromium, which is the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium propionate that is proven to improve insulin sensitivity, along with helping clear more blood glucose. Evidence also suggests that insulin is a key component in an animal's response to heat stress. So, making sure that we're keeping all those things in check can help actually mitigate some of the physiological symptoms of that heat stress. Additionally, chromium has been shown to reduce body temperature and respiratory rate during a heat stress event. So, so this, so how do I get it? One of the questions we get all the time about Kemen, and we, you know, we talk about you guys every week, is uh, I can't go out and buy it directly, but they, but listeners can make sure and double check their feed and supplement companies to make sure that Kemen is in those, right? Well, thank you, Glenn, and we actually get that call quite frequently as well. You know, how do I get this product? It's important to remember that Chem and Equine, we're an ingredient company. So, you know, being science-based, working with the university, working with our laboratories, we create these specialized ingredients that have a, a performance benefit to the animal. And we take those products and directly to the feed company or the supplement companies. So what we recommend is reaching out to your preferred feeder supplement, com- feeder supplement company and ask them if they're formulating these ingredients in their products. You can also visit www.kemen.com slash equine heat stress. That's kemen.com slash equine heat stress. And you can find products out there that are commercially available um, through our Buy It Now that actually are already utilizing Chemtrace Chromium. Uh, that might be that nutritional benefit for your horse to mitigate heat stress. Uh, in addition to that, a lot of these resources that we talked about here today, that Kemen heat chart that talks about um, your temperature plus your relative humidity, what to watch for symptom-wise, that's all available on our website as well. And I know that you have one of your summits coming up too. Absolutely, yep. So our third annual Equus Summit will be coming up in September. Um, you can register for that at attendequisummit.com. That's attend, E-Q-U-I-S-U-M-M-I-T.com. Um, where you can learn more about heat stress, you can learn more about nutritional impacts on heat stress, um, on intestinal health, just a whole host of things. Um, but again, we'll be having that this year in September, and it's free for your viewers. And that's uh, virtual? Yes, sir. And that's, uh, what's the date again? Um, that is September 5th and 6th. Okay, very good. And where do they sign up for that? Uh, they can just uh, register for that at attendequisummit.com. Train with top hunter, jumper, and eventing professionals anytime, anywhere with Practical Horsemen On Demand. 
your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros, exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just $24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horseman On Demand. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Yeah, that's right. Weird news happens all over the world. But today we're going to focus mostly on Florida, except for the first story I'm going to give you. But that's just a real quick one because I I just thought it was worth it talking about. But I would like to thank Katie, Nate. By the way, this is two weeks worth. Katie, Nate, Tara, Lindsay, a different Lindsay, Margaret, Laurie, Brooklyn, Nicole, Charlotte, Delia, Clark, and of course, Glenn for sending me. They were busy. (laughs) It was a good week. Uh, So if you're ever reading through the news, wherever you get it and you see something, you're like, dude, that's weird. That's why I I want it. Uh, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. I can't read the inappropriate ones on the air, but I do enjoy reading them in my head. (laughs) So feel free to send them out. Um, But yes, so jamiehorseradionetwork.com with the weird news in the subject line, just like all of uh, those friends did. And Glenn, we're going to start with the first one because I just thought it was so strange. This is in Illinois. It's it's called St. Charles, and I think it's in Illinois. In the Blackberry Township. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to steal, make it count. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so what do you think somebody stole in Blackberry Township? I have no idea. What do you think they grow a lot of in Illinois? Uh, Corn? You would, yes. You So if somebody was going to go steal something in Illinois in the Blackberry Township, you would think they stole ears of corn, right? Right, right. No, no, no. <laughs> Not this guy. Because what he decided to do was to walk, and, and there's no name or anything, it's real quick, just, but he decided to walk into a field and steal the whole plant. <laughs> Just cut the stalks down? <laughs> no. He removed them out of the ground. Oh. So I guess he was going to like. Transplant them? Take these corn and transplant them to his house. <laughs> but yeah, so he didn't steal his corn, Glenn. He stole the plant. Um, but he was caught and he was arrested. So like if you're going to steal something and get arrested, steal something cooler than corn. an entire Yeah. Can you imagine plant. telling Bubba in prison why you got arrested and why you're in prison? <laughs> What are you in for? Uh, Murder? What are you in for? I stole some corn. (laughs) (laughs) I have to do this one, first of all, because it takes place in Florida. And now we're going to go through a string of three Florida stories. This one is in Wilton Manors, Florida, which is a suburb outside of Fort Lauderdale. And we're going to hone in on Fort Lauderdale area for now. Uh, Because in Fort Lauderdale... 
You know, we talked about the invasive species in Florida, Glenn. You know, yeah. what are some of the things you guys have? Uh, the great big snakes, and uh, uh, we have those uh, slug, those big foot-long snail slug yeah. things. and Yeah, uh, very disgusting, gross slugs and boa constrictors. And I think there was like a giant spider we had talked about. Well, you know what else is taking over Florida? No, I don't want to know. La 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 la. You'll like it. Little bunny rabbits. Oh. That's right. Apparently, there was like an animal breeder slash hoarder of the cutest baby bunny rabbits called lion head rabbits. Okay. So they have, those are the ones that like are really cute and they have these like poofy kind of lion manes coming out. They're just the cutest things ever, but they're well, causing they problems. Like little balls of fur. Yeah, they're so cute. So apparently there was a lady who was breeding them and then started hoarding them and then um, moved away and just let them all go. <laughs> so guess what they're doing, Glenn? They're, they're breeding yeah, like, like rabbits. rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> they're breeding like so, rabbits too. <laughs> yeah, they're breeding like rabbits. And apparently the problem is they're super cute, but they like do what rabbits do, which is like dig holes Eat and everything. chew wires and cause a lot of problems and they run on traffic Eat and then gardens. people slam you eat in the garden, slam on the brakes, causing traffic problems. So there's um an effort that is Alicia Griggs is spearheading an effort to raise some money what would cost for a rescue group to capture, neuter, vaccinate, and then give away about a hundred rabbits, which to me, doesn't seem like a, a. It's a big problem if there's a hundred rabbits. Yeah. Do you know how much she's trying to raise? Okay. How much money? Twenty grand. Forty thousand dollars <laughs> to catch a hundred rabbits. To catch a hundred rabbits and vaccinate them and neuter them. I, I, I feel like that's excessive. I mean, but what do I know? But apparently, the um, people around town um, are like. Like the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation are not interested, and they're saying that they pose no immediate threat. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, they don't attack people usually, bunny rabbits, especially little yeah. tiny ones like this. <laughs> it's not like the Burmese python, the lionfish. Here's a list the giant African snails, the iguanas that are taking over. If you go to Key West, there's roosters everywhere. Not a problem. You, they're saying the bunnies aren't a problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get political, but you know what is attacking people? The uh, the first dog, uh, Biden's German Shepherd, apparently has bit seven people. <gasps> no, and most Are you mostly serious? Secret Service, and the Secret Service is getting tired of it. <laughs> really, one guy ended up in the hospital. Bit him twice. What? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, and apparently, it's been kept real hush hush. But now the Secret Service is pissed. So <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> I don't know. Fun. That's just what I read this morning. I'm not getting political. I'm just saying the first dog. He better learn not. He needs some training. I think. <laughs> I feel like they should have access to the best trainers. Yeah, but I really do. I really think so too. Get Caesar Milan over there. <laughs> make a show about it a reality show <laughs> now we are going to go to uh summerfield florida glenn <clears throat> this is it's not too far from me very very close to you <laughs> it's like four miles from ocala yeah it's not it's really not too far from the, where we live <laughs> like you you're in marion county right yeah we live literally about four miles from summerfield yeah, this is yeah. in Mary. This is in Somerville. This is this is in your neighborhood. <laughs> and I just had to do the story because of that. Um, so do you know where the Applebee's is down there? 
Yes, actually, in Bellevue. Oh, yes, yes. yeah. Well, um, there was a man who was hanging out in uh, Applebee's, and he was drinking considerably. No, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're shocked. And he may have been overserved hmm. a little bit at Applebee's. So he fast forward. His car wrecks and runs into a, let's see, what did he run into? He ran off the road, um, entered a ditch, uh, and, and crashed the car into a retention pond, okay, along the highway. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Um, so the police come, and they're like, sir, what's going on? And he's like, I was carjacked. I was carjacked. <laughs> this guy, I was getting, I was leaving the Applebee's. And what happened was this guy got in my car and forced me to drive drunk at gunpoint <laughs> out of here. As they always do. <laughs> and to save myself, I ran into the retention pond off the road. And then what had happened was the guy got out and ran off. That's a okay. pretty elaborate story for a drunk guy to come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, what had happened was <laughs> there were some witnesses to the crash, mm. and the police started interviewing witnesses, and they were like, yeah, he was the only guy in the car. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. There's cameras everywhere, too. And so. and see, the, what happened is he got out of the car and started running away and was begging everybody, please don't call 911. Please don't call 911. <laughs> I bet he well, was. <laughs> somebody called 911, and they caught up with him, and he gave them that whole entire story, and he has now been arrested for not only DUI, for filing a false report and leaving the scene of a crash with property damage on top of that. Good you job. Know, it's usually the cover-up that's worse than the actual th- crime, right? I wish I had his name, because then I could tell you his name and see if you know him. <laughs> <laughs> Focus back on Fort Lauderdale for this one again. <laughs> I'm bringing it back to Florida. Uh, <clears throat> this kind of just dumb crime, okay? So um, this, this guy, he was driving his car in Fort Lauderdale, and the police uh, kind of got behind him, and they ran his plates, and they were like, there's something going on here. So they pull him over, and he pulls over, and then they're like, let me see your license. And then it was determined that Timothy Nolan had a revoked driver's license, and he wasn't supposed to be driving. And so they were like, sorry, you can't be in this car. You're going to have to, you know, walk home or whatever. And they called the impound and they had the police kind of had him away. And he was like, please, I just want my hamburger back. Just my hamburgers in the car. Could you please just give me my hamburger? I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And so um, the officers were like, hmm. That seems like a bit of a red flag. He's fairly <laughs> desperate for his hamburger. I mean, I like burgers, but. So they walk into the car and they're like, oh, let's get the hamburger. And they pull out a hamburger and uh, unwrap it. And, and and they pull the, the bun off the top. And they're like, oh, there's a picture of it. Uh, there's the cheese. And there's the patty. And on the bottom, there's the patty and the lettuce and tomato. But what is that in the middle? Oh, that's a bag of meth. That's the meth. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bag of meth, Glenn. So, you know what? Dumb criminal, just shut up. 
You get your so car are, back in a couple are days. Are they dealing? Are they dealing meth in hamburgers out of the Burger King there? In I Portland I don't know. Maybe he stuck it in there when he was getting pulled over, <laughs> or uh, like. But there's a lot of comments. Like the comments are like, "That's why that burger was six hundred ninety nine dollars." <laughs> <laughs> or one of the comments was, "Did he get it from Burger King? You can get yours anyway." <laughs> You know, the old saying, don't do something illegal while you're doing something illegal. You get caught every time. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and just, just shut up about the burger, man. Yeah. He shut wanted his burger. He paid, burger. Good, he paid good money for that burger. going <laughs> 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 to lose it. <laughs> okay, one last one. We're just, I, I just thought that this was a good story um, because, you know, apparently the yellow... If you think about candy and you think about Skittles, everybody's least favorite Skittles is the yellow Skittles. Really? I didn't Would know. I don't eat Skittles, that? so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a Skittle person either. I, I remember I like the purple ones. Don't they <laughs> all taste anyway, the same or do they actually taste different? I think the yellow, the Skittles taste different. Okay. Um. So uh, there's, um. well, let's just say that coming up on August 5th, is a holiday, and so Skittles has decided to make a flavor of Skittles for this particular holiday. Do you know what holiday is August 5th, Glenn? No, I don't. National Mustard Day! Oh, Woo! Mustard Skittles? Skittles is making French's mustard Skittles. And I will tell all of you who are just as excited as I am about it that um, July 31st in Atlanta, the Ponce City Market, from 11 to 3, they're going to be giving them away there. Washington, D.C. on the 2nd at City Center, and then New York, <laughs> August 5th at Hudson River Park. You can go out and get some mustard Skittles. Is the now, idea you're supposed to put them on your burger? in your hot dog? Well, here's the thing. For, but previously on National Mustard Day, they've released mustard donuts, mustard ice cream, oh. mustard-flavored hot dog buns, and even a mustard beer, which I must admit is making my mouth water. I love mustard. Uh, <laughs> but it's so weird. But you can't buy mustard Skittles, Glenn. You know how you get mustard Skittles? You I'm going to gonna tell you. Okay. You go to Frenches.com slash Mustard Skittles, and then uh, you can enter to win, <laughs> which I did. <laughs> so, All right. If you get those, you have to taste the first one on the air. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> I want some Mustard Skittles. I Just so you know, I know they're going to be horrible, but <laughs> it imagine. sounds really, really fun. <laughs> now, I can't do – I do – I love French's mustard. That's fine. The regular yellow old mustard. But that Grey Poupon stuff and the, the fancy mustards, I can't do them. They're just too wicked for me. <laughs> I grew up on French's. I can't do Grey Poupon. Well, then you'll love these Skittles. <laughs> and they do have a video of somebody um, – like overturning a French's mustard bottle and squeezing out mustard Skittles under their hot dog. So I don't know if they want you to put them on their hot dog, but you can use it any way you want, Glenn. <laughs> do you know Mandy used to work with us, and then she quit to go uh, do the bootmobile at L.L. Bean. Well, she's yes. been driving the bootmobile all over the country for the last five months, I think. And she's almost at the end of this tour, and then they do another tour in the winter. But they actually ended up at the same location with the Wienermobile. So it was the bootmobile and the Wienermobile together. And she said she said a ton of people came out because they it's very seldom that the two are at the same location. But she did say that they wouldn't let her drive the Wienermobile. She really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, that is like worlds colliding. Yeah, right there. it is. <laughs> it is the big boot and the big wiener together. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Thank you for the weird news. Where do they send it? You can send it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com, just like Katie, Nate, Tara, Lindsay, Lindsay, Margaret, Laurie, Brooklyn, Nicole, Charlotte, Delia, Clark, and Glendon. Thank you. A, a couple of you are putting J-A-I-M-E. It's J-A-M-I-E. Yeah, because so, then they get sent to Glenn and, and then Glenn sends them to, to you. But uh, yeah, it's J-A-M-I-E. It's we, no Jaime. We do have uh, Jemmy who spells it the other way, so it's very confusing. But uh, yeah, it's not Jaime. It's J-A-M-I-E. Got yeah, it. At horseradionetwork.com. Right. Thanks, everybody. Auditors, hang on. We're going to find out uh, what strange disease Lucas has. <laughs> Spain, neuter, gel. That sounds really fun. He's fine. <laughs> fine. He's fine. In a month or two. Seven to ten days, actually.